All right. Everybody say fake news. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Everybody say fake news. So there's two. That's good. That was good. You scared the entire front row. Uh, listen, th- those two words can start a debate like no two words in our, um, in our culture right now. Fake news. It's everywhere. They can be used to discount something that we don't like. They can be used to uh, cause distrust from sources that we don't like. All you got to say is uh, fake news, right? And you can start something right away. Paul in 1 Corinthians, he found himself dealing with a little bit of fake news. You didn't think fake news was in the Bible, but it is. He's dealing with a little bit of fake news. There were people going around saying that resurrection thing probably didn't really happen. And so Paul's going to combat that today, and he's going to do it through this word that we call, it's called facts. When I was in high school, man, so many years ago, when I was in high school, uh, one of my friends was running for uh, a class office. And so this was, I don't know, I don't know what it's like now, uh, teenagers, I have no clue what it's like when you, when you run for office now, but like he, we, they had to get them from the whole student body, they had to make a presentation, like a speech, the whole thing, and so it was pretty much just a popularity contest, right? And so this, this person gets up first, and she's, she goes first, and she, she gave like the worst speech ever. She, went, she would go on to win, because she was the most popular person in school. And then my friend got up afterwards, and he gave what might have been the best speech ever. And, and here I am y- years later, I mean years removed from high school, and I still remember the three words that he drove home that day. He took his fist, this might be why he lost, he took his, and he pounded the podium, and he said, facts don't lie. And I was like, that's impressive. He lost in a landslide, right? Because people don't always care about facts. But Paul's going to do this this morning in Corinthians. You can turn to 1 Corinthians 15. He's, gonna, he's going to counteract fake news with facts. Listen, we love facts. Um, how many of you are married to somebody who just knows random stuff? Raise your hand. And they tell you all the time. They're like, you watch Jeopardy with them, and they're, t- they're giving the answer in the form of a question all the time, right? And you turn to them, you're like, you should be on Jeopardy. You know everything. So for those of you that don't know everything, I'm going to help you out. Can I do that? Some facts are strange. I got some strange facts. You're like, man, if I don't get anything else out of today's service, I'm going to get some random facts. And you're going to impress people. I'm not advocating that you should go to bars, but you can win some bar bets with these, okay? Here we go. Here's, here's, here's just a couple of them. Most toilets, these are all true, most toilets flush in E-flat. I've asked Phil to take his guitar into a restroom sometime this week and verify this to be true. Approximately 40,000 Americans are injured by toilets each year. Almost, the word almost, is the longest word in English with all the letters in alphabetical order. It's impossible to sneeze with your eyes open. I want somebody to sneeze right now. I want somebody to try. We should video with an iPhone in slow motion, somebody trying to sneeze with their eyes open. It's impossible. A couple more. No piece of paper, no piece of square paper can be folded more than seven times in half. The Romans used to clean and whiten their teeth with urine. That's disgusting. 
There are more plastic flamingos in America than real ones. And you're like, and they're in my yard, right? Somebody's trying to raise money. Ugh. A duck's quack does not echo, and nobody knows why. That's thought it was interesting. Cats, how many, own, how many people own cats? See your hands? Be proud. Be proud, cat owners. Something's wrong with y'all, but. Cats sleep for 70% of their lives. How many of you right now are like, I want to be a cat? Right? Yeah. Just 70% of my life. Sleep it away. More Monopoly money is printed each year in America than real money. And my favorite fact of all, Toy Story fans here? Like Toy Story? Andy, remember Andy's um, neighbor Sid? Remember him from Toy Story? Andy's evil neighbor Sid returns briefly in Toy Story 3 as the, does anybody know? As the garbage man. I know. You're going to have to go home and watch it again to see if it's true. Listen, facts can help us deal with fake news. And that's what Paul's going to do in 1 Corinthians 15. He's going to share facts. Listen, some of you, you ever watch the news and there's, God, I don't care if you're a CNN person, if you're MSNBC, if you're Fox, I don't care what your preference is, but do you ever watch the news and at some point you're just like, give me the remote, I'm clicking over to Friends. Right? Just, I don't want to hear it. Like it might be true, it might not be. I don't, I'm so, so, so tired of it, right? We just want to click and like, what does it even matter? Listen, here's the thing. Facts matter. Facts matter. And that's what Paul's going to get at here. He's going, we need to talk about the facts, right? What does it even matter? He says it matters. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse, verses 12 through 14. He says this, but tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there is no resurrection of the dead? For if there's no resurrection of the dead, this is why it matters. Then Christ has not been raised either. And verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, and all of our preaching is useless. <laughs> Some of you are like, I've heard preaching. It can be pretty useless, right? I I'm a preacher. I'll be honest. Sometimes it feels like it can be useless. But here's what's, here's what's most important. And your faith is useless. Paul says, listen, it matters. If Jesus didn't actually rise, if the resurrection is fake news, then not only do I need to put the mic down and stop preaching, but all of us, in this room and for millennia to this point that have put everything we have on the resurrection, our faith is useless. That's what Paul says. So I'm going to say it matters. The grave was God's all-in moment. We've been doing a series in Luke 18 called All In, and here's what we have said. We've looked at these, 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 these moments where when Jesus said we should be all-in on certain things, like maybe all-in on worship, on family discipleship, just you know, that kind of thing. Today, what I told you for a couple weeks now is that we're talking about the greatest all-in moment in the history of mankind. And it's God's all-in moment. Now, I, I told our church last week, and if you're here visiting, you know, please don't, don't send me angry email letters. It's just a metaphor, okay? I know God doesn't play poker. I know he doesn't play poker. But if, you, if he was playing poker... The resurrection is when he took all of his chips and pushed them to the center of the table. And people only do that because they're bluffing or they know they're going to win. And what Paul's going to do in 1 Corinthians 15 is he's going to remind people that our God does not bluff. He knew he had a winning hand. Nobody killed his son. His son sacrificed himself. 
He could have said stop at any time, but he didn't. There was a plan, and he followed it to the letter. And so at the resurrection, man, there's like, it never happened. God, in that one verse, said, look, I recognize I'm pushing all my chips to the center table, and if the resurrection didn't actually happen, none of this is important. None of this matters. Your faith is useless. I need to get another job. Facts don't lie. He's just like my friend. God is saying, he's not pounding a podium, but he's saying facts don't lie. So I want to share with you this morning, now I'll put them up here on the screen for you just so you have them, just some facts that Paul shares in 1 Corinthians 15 about Jesus. These are facts that are fundamental to our belief. These are facts that are fundamental to the gospel. Here's the first one. Jesus died. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, Verses 3 through 8, he says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins. He died for our sins. Now, the first two facts we're going to talk about, you can be here and not love Jesus. And by the way, I'm glad you're here. And you'll still agree with the first two facts. Everybody can look up in history. You can read historians. You can read contemporaries at that time that wrote about a man named Jesus that lived and died. No argument here at all, but he died. This matters. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 says this, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. What that says is if he didn't actually die, he can't actually give us life. It matters. That's a fact that matters. If Jesus only kind of died, then we can only kind of live. John 10.10 10 says we have life to the full. Here's the second fact. Jesus was buried. Paul says, I shared what was the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried. Again, you will not get arguments from people that don't follow Jesus about that fact. If we could all get on a plane, what a big plane that would be, right? And we could fly across the ocean, and we could go on a, a tour of the Holy Lands, guess what one of the stops would be? The place where they think that Jesus was buried. Guess who would be there watching and seeing it? People who love Jesus. People who don't love Jesus. People who are Muslim. People who are Hindu. They, all kinds of religions would verify this is the spot that people think Jesus was buried. A real man who lived and died and a real man who was buried. Those two facts nobody can dispute unless they're crazy, Right? Every religion recognizes that. Here's fact three. This is where agreement begins to stop. Paul said this, that he was buried and that he was raised. Jesus rose. Now, these aren't my facts. These are Paul's facts, right? Jesus died. Jesus was buried and Jesus rose. And this is where people don't agree or at least they begin to disagree about how it explains an empty tomb. Listen, many people have made up theories to explain how a body disappeared. And, and we could talk about those. I mean, I would rather you Google it. I'd rather you um, do some research on your own. But can I just point out the obvious? All the theories about what happened to the body agree on something. They can't find a body. He rose. Now, some people say, well, the disciples, they came and stole the body. Some would say he didn't really die, but he did die. He rose. And if the disciples, well, what if 
What if the disciples actually did make the whole thing up? What if they just lied? I know none of us would ever lie. What if they did? Can I ask you a question? How long can you get away with a lie? Well, my wife's pretty smart. At some point, it's coming out. We're a couple thousand years later. Nobody can just prove it. When I was um, in high school, I went with a friend of mine to a place that I was told never to go to. It was this awesome place full of fun and merriment. And it was here in Albemarle, and it was called the Silver Odyssey. Shout out for the Silver Odyssey. Who's old enough to remember that place, right? It was, it's, try, try to hang with me. It was this place called an arcade. And you're like, it was archaic. Yes, also that, right? It was an arcade, and you would go there with your quarters, and you would drop your quarters into a machine, and you would hit a button, and you would start to blow things up, right? You, they had, like, this awesome uh, cutting-edge game called Pac-Man. It was fantastic, right? Asteroids. It was great. Galaga. Come on. What was your favorite game? And I used to go there all the time. We loved it until it became apparently a place where drugs were sold. And my mom told me, Paul, I'm, I'm going to give my, my middle name, Paul Edward Jenkins. Like she said, she, when they used the middle name, they're serious, right? She was like, Paul Edward Jenkins, don't you go to Silver Odyssey? Yes, ma'am. Well, I had this friend. He loves Silver Odyssey, too. And one, one day we told my mom that we were going to go to the YMCA and work out. She should have known right away that was a lie. I mean, look at me, right? <laughs> we're going to work out at the YMCA. And so we got in the car. We were, man, we were rocking my dad's station wagon, two-tone station wagon. We rocked it all the way down. Some of you that knew my dad, um, this was the dragon wagon back in the day. Um, we, we were rocking that thing. Chicks digged us, right? Not really at all. So we're rocking. We're going down to the Y, but we had another plan. We're going to make a detour. And we went to the Silver Odyssey. Where we spent our quarters on merriment and fun. We did not do drugs. We did not see drugs. We just totally lost track of time. An hour and a half, two hours later, we got back in the car. We're driving my dad's station wagon back to my house. When suddenly it dawned on me, I looked at Chris. I was like, Chris, dude, we told my mom we were going to go work out. He said, I know. She'll never know. I said, yes, she will. We're not even sweating. But I'm smart. And it was July. And so we rolled the windows up to the top and turned the heat on full blast. <laughs> and by the time we got home, we were sweating. She never knew. Until one day as an adult, I told her. I mean, years later, why? Why come clean at that point? It was driving me crazy. Or you come clean because you're like, I got to tell you the story. I got away with it. You never knew I did it. You start to brag. The point here is 2,000 years later, if he didn't actually rise, if the body was stolen, somebody somewhere is like, hello, world. Uh, I'm shooting a live video here with the body of Jesus. Now it's just bones, but it's Jesus. Somebody's showing it because somebody wants to get famous because they're the ones that debunk the whole thing, but they can't find the body because there's not one. It's a fact that Jesus rose. 
They didn't just move the body. He rose. And why, why in the world would the disciples die for a lie? I mean, I know some of you, you are good. You can manipulate. We can all do it. We can spin a story. But at some point when somebody says, uh, I'm going to kill you if that's true, you're like, <laughs> time out, hashtag April Fool's. JK, fake news. You're coming clean. But put, me in, put me in jail for lying, but don't kill me. But you, have you read the deaths that these disciples died? Painful deaths. Dude, like, get out of the boiling oil, right? Peter, what are you doing being crucified upside down? Just tell me it's a lie. It's not. And why were the disciples so convinced, right? Why were they so convinced? <laughs> Fact number four, I love this. Jesus appeared. Paul says this. He says, look, he, was, he, he lived he died, he was buried, he was raised, and he says this, and that he appeared to Peter, and he appeared to the 12, and then he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, and then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. What I love, I love this, James is Jesus' brother. I love how Mark Driscoll puts this, right? Here's what he'll say. He'll say, it's one thing to convince 500 people that you're the Lord, but when your brother writes a book saying you are, probably true. Because you know your, your sisters are not standing up, your brothers, your family's not going, oh, yeah, he's the Messiah. My sisters, I mean, they're like, no, Paul's not the Messiah. Right? I mean, he's not even close. But for Jesus' brother to be convinced, I mean, come on, family, you know that's true. He appeared to all these people. And then Paul said, and last of all, he appeared to me also. What I love about this is, here's what Paul's saying. If you don't believe me, most of the 500 that saw Jesus, they're still living. Go knock on their door. Go ask them. You know, in a court of law, if 500 people were saying the same thing, independently the same thing, there'd be no doubt. These are facts. And facts don't lie. And, and what I want you to see is that everything hinges on these facts. I love what 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says. Paul says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. It's a fact. I love it. So because of that, because of his response to fake news with these four facts, here's what I want you to, to walk away with this morning. Some of you are like, you're, you're, I love you because this is how you think. I just preached so good. I mean, I, I, brought, I brought the heat. I'm sweating because I brought the heat. I felt it, right? And it's so good. And some of you are just like, so what? You're my favorite people. Because that's a really scriptural question to ask. So what? So, so, what, if, so what if those facts are true? I'm just going to watch Friends. And so here's what Paul says. Because of that, he shares three bold statements in 1 Corinthians 15 that he can make because of those facts. Because of the facts about Jesus, he makes these three bold statements. Here's number one. It's real. Three bold statements about the resurrection. Number one, it's real. Verse 20, for him to say, 
But in fact, Christ is raised from the dead. Those aren't just words. You've got to understand this. Anybody here see Case for Christ, the movie Case for Christ? So you know that story. Anybody here old enough to know about a man named Josh McDowell who wrote a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict? Do you know what they had in common with Paul that wrote 1 Corinthians 15, 20? All three of them were trying to disprove the faith. All three of them were like anything but Lee Strobal and Josh McDowell, both of them super smart people. And here's what they figured out. They read this verse that Paul wrote, and here's what they said. Oh, well, that's a piece of cake. If, if that's all i got to do is prove that the resurrection didn't happen, then I'll just prove that, and then everybody will have to stop being a Christian. And as they tried to disprove it, they saw so much evidence for it that they became followers of Jesus. What you need to know about 1 Corinthians 15, 20 is the man who wrote, but in fact Christ has been raised was the man who spent most of his adult life trying to kill the people that were following Jesus. If anybody wanted to disprove it, it would have been Paul. But he followed Jesus because he saw Jesus. He appeared to him. It's real. Man, the resurrection is real. Here's the second statement. Because it's real, it's relevant. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says this, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ, all will be made alive. Somebody say all. Turn to the person next to you and say, that means you. The person next to you was like, dude, you need a breath, man, right? It's hot up in here and it's tropical in your mouth, right? It didn't just happen a long time ago so we could celebrate a historical event. This is a spiritual event. It's not just real, it's relevant, it's relevant in my life and in your life. For all of you here this morning, can I, I'll just throw out a couple things. Man, if you are in a tomb called addiction, it's relevant to you. Because what Paul said was, if Adam died but Christ lived, if the resurrection is real, then it's relevant to me. Because I got tombs and I need him to call me out of it. Those of you who are here like, man, this time last year I thought my marriage would be better than it is this, right now this year. You need, it's relevant to you. You're facing some unknown circumstances. I don't know how to get out of this. It's relevant to you. Can I just tell you this? The church forgets to mention this. If your life is great right now, like you are as happy as you can be without winning the lottery, right? It's relevant to you. Because the reason you are where you are is because he came out of a tomb. And that's what Paul's saying. It's real and it's relevant and here's the third one. This is my favorite of all. It's recognizable. What does that mean? It means because the resurrection's real and because it's relevant in my life, it's recognizable in my life. When people look at me, they're going to say, there's something about you. Paul wraps up the chapter 15 with verse 58. He says this, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because the resurrection's real, because it's relevant, it has to become recognizable in our lives. My life has got to change because he lives. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, like, stand firm. Because, therefore, because of the resurrection, stand firm. Because of the resurrection, give yourself fully to the work that you've been called to do. Man, a lot of you are here, you're, you're first-time guests. Can I just tell you something? If it was just on me to do this, it would collapse. 
I just, I, I just get the mic and get to talk, right? I, that's the easy part. But you were greeted by people on the way in this morning that were smiling, opening the door for you, loving you. You got to eat some food, drink some coffee that people came in early this morning and made. Band came in early and did sound. I mean, like, we, there are people that are here serving every week. Why? Because they ain't got a life. No, because they have life. They're serving because they have life. Because he says, because of the resurrection, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, and they do. Because the resurrection is recognizable in their lives. Romans 8.11 says this. If the spirit, the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Let me, let me wrap it up saying, saying like this. When it comes to the grave, there is no doubt that Jesus walked out. When it comes to the grave, man, you, listen, you, and I, we can push all of our chips to the center of the table on the resurrection. Because there's no doubt that Jesus walked out. There's no doubt that it makes a difference in my life. And I want to I close this morning. I want to share with you a vision that the Lord gave me this past week. Just about what, what resurrection's really like. I was at a revival service this past Tuesday I think it was this past Tuesday night, and um, oh my, oh God! Anybody here raised like raised super Pentecostal? Anybody? You're like, can I raise my hand? Yes, you've had practice, right? <laughs> it's like this was like one of those like super Pentecost. It was just it was crazy, but it was good. It was just it was just one of those it was one of those environments, and I found myself in it, and uh, just I mean like tons like loud worship and people just you know all over the place, and I'm kind of just hanging out with Jesus, right? And, and I'm, I'm just worshiping. I got my eyes closed. And while all that was going on, man, here's what I saw. I really hope you can grasp this. Ever watch a movie where somebody's drowning? Um, I don't know if you're like me, but when I watch a movie where somebody's drowning and I see them struggling and fighting to get, to get up to the surface, you know when they finally break through and their head comes out? You can ask my family because they've probably noticed this about me. I breathe with them. Do you do that? I mean, I was I some sort of, oh, I'm not drowning. I'm on the couch. I'm eating Cheetos, right? What's going on? But I, they'll come out, and here's what happened. I saw in my head, I saw this man fighting to get what Pentecostals, what, what you'll hear called breakthrough, fighting to get through the water to the surface. And, and when he did, when his head popped out, water everywhere, God said to me, what do you see? I said, I see a I see a dead man living. He said, what is that? That's resurrection. And then he asked me this question. Ready? Introverts, take a deep breath. I'm with you. I'm with you, right? I'm, I'm sweating thinking about it right now. And he said, what do you hear? Now, have you ever thought about that? That resurrection has a sound? That nobody who pops out of the water struggling to get another breath, they never do this. What do they do? You know, you want to do it with me? <laughs> Introverts are like, nope, I ain't doing it. <gasps> it's just huge. And if it's a movie and it's epic, they slow it down. It's just like, <gasps> and it's epic. And you're like, 
Something on the side, it's like, yes! And God said, resurrection's not quiet. Resurrection's not reserved. Resurrection's not something that you can hide. That person couldn't take a quiet breath if their life depended on it. And maybe it kind of did. Because their lungs are so, they're screaming for oxygen. And when you break out of that tomb, that's loud. There's a sound. Listen, when the Bible says in Revelation that we will sing with loud voices in Revelation, it's not because we're all going to get there and be like, let's just crank up the the tunes, right? It's because we can't, there's no other way to be. We just can't tell him loud enough how good he is. We can't tell him loud enough what we have seen and heard. Listen to how um, one of the disciples that was impacted closed out, he starts his book, 1 John 1, verses 1 through 3. Here's what he says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared because Jesus, it's a fact, he appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? And let me ask you this question. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen him? Have you experienced him? Some of you are here this morning And I don't have to know your story to know that this is true. You are fighting with all you've got to get up out of that water. You are in a tomb begging somebody to set you free. And I'm telling you there's good news this morning because the resurrection is real, it's relevant, and it's going to be recognizable in your life. Resurrection power in your life. And this morning, if that's something that you would like to have Maybe for the first time ever. Maybe you're here this morning just for the Easter meal after. You came to watch somebody else get baptized, and now you're sitting here going, wait a second, I think I need to get baptized because I need to be raised to life. If that's you and and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ to be marked by that resurrection power, I'm just asking you to raise your hand where you are. Just put your hand up, and then we're going to pray. Thank you. Believers, take a quick inventory of your life and ask yourself this question. Is the resurrection recognizable in me? Or have I given in to the temptation to become reserved about something that is not reserved? These men who saw the risen king could not stay silent. They could not keep it in. And I'm, I want to close this morning praying for those of you here as believers who say, I want to be marked by resurrection power in my life. And if that's you, believer, I want you to raise your hand. So I want to be marked by resurrection power in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can we stand together? And can we just close this out praying? Father, in your name, Jesus, 
right now, what we're asking is that you would call us to yourself, that you would mark us with resurrection power in our lives. Some for salvation and many in this room today because we refuse to have a life that is mediocre. We refuse to have a life that is not marked by the power that raised Jesus from the dead. So just, just before we head up to baptisms, listen, I'm going to pray a very specific prayer. And if it's for you, then I want you to tell the Lord. What that guy's praying in that microphone, that's for me. Listen, here it is. The things that are keeping you in a tomb do not invalidate God's resurrection power. He sets us free. And if you're, I mean, if you're like, if I could get out, I would. I'm telling you, today is the day when he's going to move the stone for you. And if that's you, just everybody's eyes are closed anyway. Just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you right now. I don't have to know what it's about specifically. But just raise your hand and let's pray this out. Father, in your name, Jesus, you see hands. You see hearts. You see lives that are so tired of trying to set themselves free that they've almost given up on the hope that somebody could and you can set them free. Man, it's your power, your resurrection power that will come and move that stone for them. And I'm asking that they would step out in confidence out of that tomb, God. Out of that tomb and be set free. We thank you for it, God. In your name, Jesus. Amen.